In Western skincare, retinol is the holy grail of skincare ingredients. Praised by the likes of Vogue, Elle, and even Sex in the City, retinol promises to rewind the clock and restore your skin's youthful glory. So if such a unicorn product exists, why hasn't it found its way into the heart of K-beauty? Today, we're going to take a look. Welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. I'm a founder, a podcaster, and K-beauty expert. And here on this show, we take a deep dive into the world of Korean skincare to see how things are being done on the ground here in Korea and why it might be different from some of the products, the trends, and the, and the ingredients that you are used to, particularly if you are coming from a, a Western background. If you've never used a K-Beauty product before, that is completely fine. I will hold your hand and let you know everything you need to start your routine with confidence. If you are an old hat and have been using Korean beauty products for 10 years or more, that is also totally fine. You will still pick up some new tips, uh, news, and all this kind of thing that you won't hear anywhere else unless you are potentially living on the ground here in Korea and working in the K-beauty industry, which is what I have been doing since 2016. So straight into today's news headlines, and this one was uh, a little bit shocking. So J1, the cosmetics brand, has actually filed a complaint with the Fair Trade Commission in Korea against beauty product manufacturer Cosmax. So it is claiming that Cosmax forced it to pay for 200,000 sets of makeup products that they didn't want at a cost of around 2.02 million US dollars. So Cosmax, if you have been listening to the show for a while, you will know is one of the big original design manufacturer, the ODM companies here in Korea, and they make a lot of beauty products for the business to consumer type companies to sell as their own. Uh, So Cosrx is a really, really big player in the global industry. It actually has very, very high sales globally, even though it's probably not a name that you necessarily would have heard of if you're not involved. I guess, in manufacturing skincare. But J1 is a brand that was originally started by a Korean actress, Haji Won. I think it's since passed into different hands, but they were outsourcing their product manufacturing to Cosmax and have been doing so for a few years now, I believe since 2015. So what they have accused Cosmax of doing is abusing its power and basically forcing them to order a much higher order volume than they wanted to order and then pay for that. So the product in question was called Hong Shot. Uh, and it was a product that they did in collaboration with a trot singer. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Korean music, but trot music is a kind of older style, I guess you could say, but it's enjoying a bit of a resurgence lately. Uh, There's all these programs on TV to find like the number one trot singer. There's a couple of foreigners that sing in Korea as well that are really have become really famous because of this. But J1 was doing a collaboration in, uh, I guess, along with this really famous trot singer and they originally outsourced 20,000 of their beauty products to be manufactured by Cosmax and then that totally sold out so they did another order and essentially what they're saying is that now down the track 
uh, you know, they have been forced into an order that they didn't want to do. So that will be interesting to hear how that has played out. But that one is now in court, which I guess is why the details have become public. Uh, so yeah, I will update you if there is a resolution to that one. But J1's CEO was quoted in the news this week about the case um, and, you know, some of the facts around the case. So there you go. That is a little bit unfortunate for them. They've got themselves into a fight with their ODM manufacturer. Uh, but yeah, I will update you if there is a resolution or otherwise to that case. Now, the other thing that I had this week for this week's question of the week, uh, I had a question about the best place to get a facial in Seoul. And the thing with Seoul is if you've ever been here before, it's actually a massive, massive, really sprawling city. So what I always say when people ask me about this is two things. What do you want to get done and do like which area are you closest to? Like which area are you going to be visiting or which area are you living in in Seoul? So I know a lot of good places south of the river in Gangnam and also around uh, the west side around Hongdae and Hapjong. And then I also know uh, a place that I myself have been to in Myeongdong as well. So depending on where you're going and kind of what you want done, if you just look for like a normal facial or, or if you want to get something a little bit more um I guess intense with like lasers and machines or something like that just let me know I'm totally happy to share my recommendations uh in my time living in Seoul I've been to heaps and heaps of different places some are better than others so just let me know where you're going uh and what kind of treatment and I'd be happy to share my recommendations with you guys as well <clears throat> I have also been asked in the past about uh, recommendations for places that do like Korean style facials in Sydney and other parts of Australia. And unfortunately, that is just not my my area of expertise because I, it's just been too long since I lived in Australia. Um, and I've never, I, I'm originally from Brisbane. So our warehouse for Style Story is in Sydney, uh, but I'm a Brizzy girl, so I know Brisbane a little bit better. And there are definitely, when I was living there, no Korean spa places or facial places that I knew of. So if you guys do know of any, or maybe you are a Korean facialist in one of the cities somewhere, um, feel free to let me know so that I can recommend you to or people to you. Or if you've been anywhere that's really good, let me know. But personally... I have not found that person yet just because it's it has been a little bit of time with the COVID and everything since I've been back to Australia, unfortunately. So, yeah, I know heaps of places in Seoul, not so many overseas. But if you guys do know someone, let me know so that I can add them to my list. Uh, okay, so today I really wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into retinol because this is a thing that I guess keeps coming up again and again just because of how popular retinol is at the moment particularly in western skincare in the media people are talking about it I'm just seeing it everywhere you know people are looking to incorporate lots of different retinol products so if you're not already familiar with retinol, it is one of these really, really tried, true, tested, scientifically backed ingredients. It can transform your skin's texture. So it treats everything from acne scarring to pigmentation, fine lines, and the signs of aging. It belongs to the vitamin A family. So you might have heard it referred to as vitamin A. Uh, and that's why there's a whole family of ingredients that fall basically into this category of retinoids but basically what happens is 
Retinols go further than the top layer of the skin and they can actually penetrate into the dermis, which is that deeper layer of skin. So once they are in this middle layer, then the molecules can boost the production of elastin and collagen. And that's what leaves you with plumper, younger looking skin. Uh, If you have ever suffered from acne, which I have, uh, you will know that that is often a part of your treatment because it can help reduce sebum production as well. So what it does is it thins the top layer of skin and while at the same time it's thickening the dermis. Uh, And it does a whole lot of other things as well to promote blood vessel formation and unclog your pores. Uh, And that's why, honestly, you will see that in most kind of acne treatments. It is really, really uh, indicated for acne. So a lot of people have had experience with that earlier in their life and then probably later in life if you're looking to do things like remove fine lines. So another well-known benefit of retinol is that it stimulates faster cell turnover and that can in turn increase your collagen. So retinol and then there's also the prescription counterpart, which is tretinoin. They have been shown in peer-reviewed studies and to work that they are very well documented scientifically. Uh, there's a study from the Archives of Dermatology back in 2002 that show that they prevent collagen loss uh, because they inhibit the uh, basically the enzymes that degrade collagen. And then there was another one also in the Archives of Dermatology uh, among many, many others that show that they treat fine lines, wrinkles, mottled skin, and that's because of the cell turnover function. Uh, the other thing that it does is act as an antioxidant and scavengers for free radicals. And that one, that study was all the way back in 1992 in the methods of enzymology. So lots of really good scientific data backing up retinol. So you're probably thinking, okay, that sounds amazing. What's your problem? Why doesn't K-Beauty want to in like embrace this basically. And the thing is, retinol does have amazing properties. I don't think anyone would argue against that. But like with anything beneficial uh, and, you know, all good things, it's not without its side effects. And this is, I think, where the K-beauty angle comes into play a little bit more. So this is the flip side of using retinols in your routine. If you've tried before, you'll know that they can take quite a while to start working. And in that period before they start working, the skin can become really dry, flaky and sensitive. And that can take some people say that can take up to six weeks, but it can take a lot longer with the dryness and flakiness. Sometimes the entire time you're using the products, basically some people will experience those kind of side effects. The skin is supposed to settle once it gets used to the retinol. But if you do have sensitive skin, you can find it difficult to reach that period where the skin is just calm. Uh, And then, you know, there's a lot of other different things that you need to watch out for as well. So obviously, if you develop any serious side effects, like a constant burning sensation or anything like that, that is not ideal. And you may want to consult a dermatologist. But other things to watch out for maybe aren't as obvious. And that they're things like sunburn. So Retinol is a mild inhibitor of tyrosinase. And what that means is that it will increase the photosensitivity of your skin. And that can heighten your risk of sunburn and also hyperpigmentation. And that's especially so during summer. Uh, So I think 
If you are the type of person that either doesn't wear sunscreen, you don't remember to regularly reapply it, or you're doing a lot of work outside, then I would say that retinol may not be a good fit for you. Uh, and this is particularly the case when it comes to Australians. So Aussies are already at a high risk of skin cancer and melanoma, and that is due to our sun being that much harsher and also the proximity to the hole in the ozone layer. So I think, honestly, if, you, if you're a person that works outdoors or you like spending a lot of time in the, sky, in the sun, the damage that you could potentially do to your skin may not outweigh uh, the benefits of the retinols. That is something to keep in mind. I think it's a little bit overlooked, particularly if people are you know really keen to ju- sort of jump into their retinols, and I totally understand that. But it's not for everyone, and it's not without a lot of these... Um, these side effects. I remember when I was on prescription retinols uh, years ago, um, my my dermatologist, he was like, you just need to be absolutely religious. You need to stay out of the sun. If you're at the beach, you need to be underneath an umbrella. You need to have a hat. Like it's just the whole shebang. Like there's no lying out in the sun or tanning. You know, you just need to be so, so careful because if you get burnt, you're going to really damage your skin. So I think that one is probably, I don't know. I don't see that talked about as much as it probably should be to be honest given the risk of you know skin cancer and and sun damage and all of the I guess other damage to the skin that goes along with getting exposed to the sun when you are using a product that makes you more sensitive to it the other thing is and most people will have experienced this the dryness and flaking so retinol can dry out your skin it can cause flakiness and dry patches and unfortunately for some people it can just be really hard to get out of that cycle. So, you know, a lot of people will notice that their makeup just seems to flake off or look really, really cakey, you know, and they just can't sort of get rid of that. That's a common one. Uh, And it is an absolute no-go for pregnancy and breastfeeding. Uh, So a lot of the anti-acne treatments that do use this drug as an oral drug, you actually have to sign waivers, certainly in Australia, to say that you will not get pregnant because there is a known risk of birth defects and miscarriages. Now, topical retinol is a different category. It's not the same thing as oral medication. However, there have been, you know, studies that show that they there may be an increased risk so that is another thing to keep in mind these are not the kind of products that you want to be using if you could become pregnant uh, are pregnant or are breastfeeding just to set your mind at ease and then obviously they are a no-go for conditions like eczema and dermatitis uh, and that that's one of the main reasons that I do not use them in my routine I am a bit prone to dermatitis so that is just for me not a good combination, unfortunately. I've learned the hard way that my skin just reacts a lot, lot better when it doesn't have that sort of extra stress from retinols on the top of the dermatitis. So I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about why K-Beauty hasn't really embraced retinol up until now after the ad break. So now to some of the latest product reviews that have been left for K-Beauty products on our Style Story website. The first one is for Subi's Brightening Powder Cleanser. And this was a five-star review that said, best cleanser ever. 
I've just started switching over to Korean beauty products and I've been using this cleanser for about three weeks. It's so lovely I didn't want to finish up my old cleanser. All the comments about fluffy clouds are true. I have dry sensitive skin and this product feels great and leaves your skin glowing. You only need a tiny amount of the powder to create a lovely foam. I was concerned a powder would feel drying but I never want to use anything else now. And then the second product review was for Tosung Spot Whitening Vita Clinic. This was a four-star review that says, very good product, seeing improvement with pigmentation on my face. So if you would like to shop for your K-Beauty on Style Story, don't forget to leave a review as well. It's really helpful for people that are coming along after you to know what you liked or didn't like about a product. So these products and more are all available on stylestory.com.au. All right, so why hasn't K-Beauty embraced retinol? So I think to get first things first out of the way, retinol does exist in Korea, as does tretinoin. Like that's like any suggestions to the contrary are just incorrect. It's possible to buy products that have retinol in them. And it's also possible to get a prescription for, uh, I guess, products that contain higher percentages. So the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety here has listed approved ingredients and also their concentration for what they call functional cosmetics. And we've spoken about the the distinction between functional cosmetics and ordinary cosmetics on the show before. But For anti-wrinkle products, the ministry has recognized four approved ingredients and they are retinol, retinol palmitate, adenosine, which is very, very popular in K-beauty, and also polyethoxylated retinamide. And they've also got the uh, percentage that can be contained in ingredients that are uh, products that are functional cosmetics. So the thing I think is the main reason that retinol has not been embraced. And this is not to say that people don't use it and that, you know, if you, you won't find some Koreans on the ground in Korea that haven't, that that haven't used retinol. You, there are people out there that use it, but I think as a swooping generalization, it's not, and has historically not been as popular as it has been in the West. And I think that a lot of that comes down to the gentler approach that Koreans tend to take to skincare and also the idea of prevention rather than a cure. So in general, again, swooping generalization, most Koreans I see take a preventative approach to their skincare from an earlier age. And I think they see products like retinol as harsher, which, you know, with the side effects that go along, it's not difficult to see why people think that. And that that's kind of more of a last resort option against anti-aging. I think the priority here to me, from my eyes, everything that I've seen, experienced, all the people that I've talked to, and even, you know, the way the products are put together and routines, Koreans prioritize consistency in their skincare and achieving a desired result rather than like a one-time intense dramatic reversal. And I think that it comes through in a lot of different ways. So Lots of products here focus on things like calming and soothing rather than harsh and drying. And that comes through in exfoliating treatments as well. Uh, Obviously, the multi-step routines that most people seem to follow here focus on gently caring for the skin at lots of different levels. So there's a real focus on proper cleansing 
with two steps is usually usually the way to go. Most people do a two-step, a double cleanse, if not a three-step. If you're going in for a more professional treatment, then you're looking at your toning, your pH balance, and also your moisture levels. These are all things that Korean routines generally incorporate. Uh, and the other thing is just that there are a lot of different ingredients, many, many different ingredients that are common in K-beauty. And a lot of those already treat signs of aging. So I think uh, like just some of them that I can think of off the top of my head, galactomyces, niacinamide, snail mucin, glutathione, licorice, all of those have various different anti-aging properties. Adenosine, another really, really common one, and that one is actually recognized by the ministry as well for its anti-aging benefits. So they are just the more common types of ingredients that I do see in anti-aging formulas. And I think that unlike retinol, a lot of those are gentle on the skin and also fine for people with sensitive skin. The other thing is this, and I don't think this probably should be ignored, is that Koreans start looking after their skin at a much younger age on balance, I would say. I think that speaking as a Westerner and having grown up in a Western society and culture, we can neglect our skin a lot. And we can also partake in a lot of activities that promote premature aging, things like sun tanning, you know, trips to the beach, laying out, um, you know, even things like driving cars. I know that in Asia, it's really common for people to wear a hat in the car. And even maybe, you know, if people are really keen on it, uh, long sleeves so that when they're driving, the sun is not, you know, te- not getting on their arms and making their skin darker. So all of those kind of things are just things that are part of the culture here that I think are not necessarily part of Western culture. And then that leads Westerners like us to take or have to resort to more drastic measures to then improve that damage later in life. I think the other thing that probably doesn't help is that uh, certainly pale skin shows the signs of aging a lot more than Asian skin. Uh, Asian skin tends to have a lot more elastin in it uh, and Western skin, well, certainly white skin, not necessarily European western but you know the the classic um english and irish um type of skin that a lot of australians have is just very prone to freckling and sun damage and sunspots and things like that which you know luckily for them a lot of asians don't necessarily have to worry about in the same way that we do now the other thing that cannot be ignored when it comes to the reasons why koreans do not necessarily use products like retinol is that a trip to the dermatologist here is just that much cheaper and more accessible so i know from experience that an appointment for a dermatologist in australia can easily set you back about three hundred dollars and it's hard to get in. They're not just the kind of thing where you call up today and can get in tomorrow. In Korea, you can. You can even call up today, maybe get in today. There is not um, the, I guess, block. I know certainly in Australia, the College of Dermatology actually restricts how many dermatologists they are let in per year, which means that there are just not that many specialists, whereas there are a lot more in Korea proportionate to the population. So that leads to the, I guess, thought 
process in 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 western countries like australia that the dermatologist is a place of last resort for those with serious skin issues and that's just not the case here in korea people regularly visit a specialist to discuss their skincare it is not uncommon for people to make fortnightly trips to an esthetician for non-invasive skin management as well uh, and certainly you know in my time living here if i've had anything um you know pop up on my skin people are like i'll oh, just go to the pubicua which is you know the the skin clinic just go and get it checked out that you will never hear that in australia you know if you have a pimple or something like that like a pimple i'm not talking about a face full of pimples i'm talking about like a big pimple that won't go away i have been told other people i know have been told like just go and get that sorted out at the people who in korea and that just doesn't happen that's crazy by the time you could get in to see someone in australia for that the pimple would be long gone uh so you know it's just a very very different approach to skincare so there's some of the reasons that I think you know in addition to the downsides of retinol that people here just do things a little bit differently and that is why retinol is not seen in the same way it's not talked about in the same way people aren't running out to buy it um you know and swapping routines with with retinol which I see people doing in certainly in the English language uh at the moment that seems to be all the rage Having said all of that, just because it isn't common doesn't mean that retinol is completely absent in K-beauty, but what you will find, particularly in the types of products that you will be able to purchase online or overseas, is that the formulas are far less drying and harsh on the skin. And part of the reason is that you're not going to be buying prescription stuff from Korea because the prescription stuff in Korea is going to be similar to what you will will be able to get your hands on in your country. So obviously things like Steva cream, your Retin-A cream, they all need a prescription. So we're talking about skincare products here, not medicine. So look, there are lots and lots of different brands at the moment that are bringing out products that do include vitamin A, retinoids, retinol. Some of them are Theralogic, Innisfree, Cosrx. Iope has actually had a retinol product on the market for quite a while. Uh, they were one of the first brands to actually do one. Mamond has recently launched a Bacuchiol uh, retinol cream and Laneige has just released their Perfect Renew Youth retinol line as well. Another product that is really, really popular on our Style Story website is the April B Retinol Vitamin A Moisture Cream. And that is a really great option if you are looking to introduce vitamin A into your nightly routine because it's perfect for those drier and mature skin types. And it also incorporates some of these other really powerhouse anti-aging ingredients. So it's got peptides, niacinamide and licorice. So the combination of those work to firm, plump, brighten, hydrate and improve your overall skin texture, but without drying it out. So there's some of the types of uh products that you will see there are more and more brands korean brands launching retinol uh i think that's because of how much it's trending overseas and you know they want to get in on the action uh so the other thing is uh i have seen some comments around retinol palmitate in korean skincare products 
So you might, may have seen some products, Korean products that have retinol on the ingredients list, but what they actually contain is an ingredient called retinol palmitate, and that is a compound composed of retinol and then palmitic acid. And it's basically a mild form of retinol that has fewer side effects. But the reason that you might see retinol in the ingredients list is because of the way that Korean ingredients lists are um, allowed to be or have to be put by law as opposed to in other places. So basically in Korea, ingredients that make up compounds are allowed to be listed separately on product ingredients list. So if you have retinol palmitate in a product, you would see retinol and then palmitic acid listed as separate ingredients, although what you've actually got in the product is retinol palmitate. So that is one thing to keep an eye out for. And then obviously in places like the States, you would need to list it as retinol palmitate rather than the two separate compounds. So that's something that you may have seen uh, and you, you may see going forward, I guess, in Korean beauty products, but a lot of these new ones that are coming out at the moment do have retinol in them. And then Bacuchiol, which I know a lot of brands are um, claiming is a natural alternative to retinol, definitely does not have the same kind of studies around it as retinol, actual retinol does. Um, but a lot of people like Bacuchiol, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't really want to get into a debate about the similarities and differences between Bacuchiol and Retinol, but suffice to say, Mamond has has just come out with a product that in, in, includes both, so that is a bit of an interesting development as well. Um, if you do have any questions about Retinol, anti-aging skincare, or any of this, please feel free to reach out to either me or the Style Story team. More than happy to chat to you about all things skincare, which product is going to be right for your routine so that you can incorporate it. Uh, but I just thought I would I would have a have a discussion with you guys about retinol in K-beauty, just because historically there has been a, a different approach in the West versus in Korea. And just to talk about why that is, uh, some of the downsides that um, people perceive about retinol and why they haven't been as keen to embrace it as other kinds of ingredients. So I hope you found this useful. If you did, I would absolutely love it if you could leave us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app so that more people can find us. If you know anyone that is a big retinol fan or you think would like this, this episode, please feel free to forward it on to them and share it with them. I would be very thankful for that. And until next time, I will see you on Style Story. 